You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You are listening to Beyond the SIG, a prescription for transformative pharmacy care. This podcast is developed in collaboration with the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy and their Flip the Pharmacy team and paid for through CDC grant funding provided by the Pennsylvania Department of Health to the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association, broadcasted exclusively on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Today is a very special episode of Beyond the SIG, brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association and the Pharmacy Podcast Network. My name is Todd Urey, and I'm from Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh area, and I served two and a half years on the board of directors for the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association under the leadership of Pat Eppel, who has served as the CEO of the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association since 2002. Pat has done an amazing job leading our state organization, and I'm very proud of her accomplishments. We'd like this episode of Beyond the SIG to be a tribute in honor to Pat Apple's work. Thank you so much, Pat. Also joining us is our new CEO of the PPA, Victoria Elliott. Victoria will succeed Pat, who's retiring at the end of 2020. Victoria will blend her training as a registered pharmacist with her 24 years of experience in association management to lead the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association in its mission promoting the profession through advocacy, education, and communication to enhance patient care and public health. She will manage the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association's operations, membership growth, and engagement in all program development and implementation. Now let's listen to Brooke Kalusich with the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy interview these two amazing women. Pat, Victoria, welcome to Beyond the SIG. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. So why don't we start off with a little background. Tell us about your professional journey leading you to become the CEO of PPA. And we'll start with you, Pat. Thanks, Brooke. I'm happy to be here with you today. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, I was probably one of the second non-pharmacist people to lead PPA, so my journey does not include any pharmacy background. Um, I did start with uh, association work early on, and right out of college, I worked for my college sorority traveling around the country. That led to jobs in public relations work and advertising work with an agency, and then to uh, big show trade management uh, across the country, and then back to associations. I was the CEO for two other associations prior to joining PPA, um, and I really looked forward to getting into the um, medical arena, Um, and so I made big leaps because I'd previously been with the Realtors and the Landscape and Nursery Association, along with a brief stint with the State Education Association, but not as their CEO. So it's kind of a uh, straight path, I would say, but it was focused uh, totally on association management. Yeah, thank you, Pat. How about you, Victoria? 
Good morning, Brooke, and thank you for having us both on. This is pretty exciting, so I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, my path uh, is rather non-traditional, as it is for a lot of uh, those of us who end up working in the association management industry. Uh, I am a pharmacist by training, uh, alumni of the University of the Sciences in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy. Um, I started out uh, as a pediatric pharmacist based in a couple of different institutions in Philadelphia um, before I moved into association management. I was actually recruited by a, a fellow on staff at the Pennsylvania Society of Health System Pharmacists who uh, noticed uh, I was a pretty active volunteer in our, in our regional group of the association and thought this might be a good fit. So I took a leap of faith um, and a bit of a salary reduction and moved into association management with the blessing of my husband, even though we were expecting our first child in a short two months. Um, and the rest is history, as they say. Uh, he is 25 years old, and that is how I measure how long I've been in the industry. Throughout that time, I, I really um, sort of, my training ground was with the PSHP. I was with that organization for nine years, uh, seven as their executive vice president and then recruited to an association management firm where I spent 11 years working with a variety of um, clinical and health-related associations uh, before I uh, spent a short time in um, development fundraising uh, back at my alma mater, University of the Sciences, and then uh, stepped back into association management with a national group, um, the Association for the Advancement of Wound Care, um, and then saw this opportunity arise. Uh, Pat had made her announcement and thought, boy, what an interesting opportunity to perhaps bring my career full circle uh, back to Pennsylvania and pharmacy where I still uh, live, reside and have my uh, license uh, to practice. So here I am um, and stepping into what I've said uh, repeatedly are some immensely large shoes. Um, Pat has accomplished quite a bit uh, during her tenure and um, my head is swimming as I uh, continue with my orientation to PPA. Thanks, Victoria. Yeah, based on your track record, it sounds like Pat is certainly leaving us in good hands. You both bring such unique experiences and professional backgrounds to the table. I think it's going to serve PPA really well. So I'll turn it back over to Pat. It's been 18 years since you began this journey as the CEO of PPA. How have you seen pharmacy practice change over time? Well, <laughs> it's changed a lot, actually. That's what I think is so amazing when you think back on it. Um, when I started, the whole PharmD graduate program was just kind of coming into its own. Um, and there was still a lot of kind of resentment from some other folks about it and, you know, some getting used to. So that was happening. So that also led to a lot of uh, upcrop of uh additional pharmacy schools too, when you combine it with the fact that we were just bringing in Medicare Part D. I mean, now that's, a, we take that kind of as a, oh, that's what we have, Part D. But at, when I started, we were just getting out. And I remember going on the road and doing introductory webinars around Medicare Part D. Um, obviously, the technology has changed a lot, both in pharmacies and hospitals and everywhere, um, and even in our technology that we access and talk to our members. Um, we didn't have, you know, it was mostly fax machines, some email. I work for my um, uh, BlackBerry, 
Now, you know, that's nothing compared to today's iPhones and other telephones. So um, that's a big change. I would also tell you when you look at pharmacy practice, we've seen so much more regulations come about. I mean, the advent of HIPAA came up. Um, oh my gosh, just more stuff with controlled substances in the more recent years. So a lot more regulations. Um, but I do think we've also seen immunization expansion, and in, particularly in Pennsylvania, as well as other parts of the country, um, and increased recognition for pharmacists as being direct patient care providers um, through Collaborative Practice um, Act that has come about. So lots of changes, and I probably only touched on a handful of them. So <laughs> I've seen a lot. Well, maybe Victoria can fill in some of the gaps. How about you, Victoria, in your career as a pharmacist and an association executive, how have you seen pharmacy practice change over time? So admittedly, I've been removed from practice for quite some time. Uh, that said, um, I uh, did remain um, sort of a remote, remote member of uh, PSHP and certainly have a lot of colleagues in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, practicing, whether it's in hospitals, health systems, uh, independent um, pharmacies, even chains. Um, and so, you know, my perspective is a little bit different. I kind of did what I needed to do to sort of keep my license in play, but was heavily focused on, on the work with the associations I was managing. Uh, but that said, um, I, I think that hearing Pat talk, um, it, it kind of reminds me of where I saw things when I was with PSHP. And, uh, you know, we were on the road quite a bit. Um, I was visiting all, I think it was 10 chapters at the time um, uh, on a regular basis. Um, we were rotating our meetings, we were having meetings in person. Um, I think we, we didn't see sort of the sophistication and the um, uh, sort of consolidation of, of health systems, certainly that we're seeing today, um, the growth of, of those um, entities um, and the evolution of pharmacy there, which again is kind of where I, where I started, hospital pharmacy, has been absolutely incredible. Um, and I was able to sort of witness that um, a little more because as I said, I remained an active, uh, 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 an active member of, of the PSHP and was aware of what was going on there. Um, but from an independent perspective and having now spent some time with um, a number of the PPA committees, uh, the, the pharmacy um, practice care network, it is our professional uh, care network. It is absolutely um, amazing to me to see the level of engagement of these community-based pharmacists, um, what they're doing within their community uh, to provide patient care, uh, pharmacy services, uh, preventive services, immunizations, um, their, uh, their, their willingness to step forward and be an advocate for themselves and their colleagues, um, their involvement in um, advocacy efforts to push through some key legislation, uh, you know, be voices for what is, a, what is right, uh, particularly when it comes to, for example, pharmacy benefit managers, um, and you know, really fight for for the fact that you know they 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 bring an education um, and a, and a con they contribute to the to the to patient care in ways that many other healthcare professionals cannot. They are the most educated individuals when it comes to drug therapy and drug therapy management, and are demonstrating that every day. Um, for me, it's just it's been. Um, an incredible thing to watch and, and be a part of these last couple of months. I'm just hoping I can keep up with all that they're doing, quite frankly, 
uh, to advance practice. So I feel as though I'm quite fortunate to be stepping in at this time. Um, again, listening to what Pat sort of uh, uh, spent time doing with PPA and its membership all these years has really sort of set the stage for continued success and amplification of um, pharmacy services uh, throughout the Commonwealth. Thanks, Victoria. Yeah, it's clear to me you both bring decades of experience in association management, but in unique ways. But whether it's an association of pharmacy or for a different profession or cause, strong association leadership is key. So my next question is, why is strong association leadership, both from volunteers and from the chief staff executive, critical for the success of PPA initiatives? And I'll let you go first this time, Pat. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, so I think the important thing to realize is that in any association, it, it really has to be a collaboration and a partnership between the volunteer leadership and uh, the staff. And uh, obviously they have to share a vision for the organization. They have to be on the same page um, from the whole strategic thinking of it. And they have to have a clear understanding of those roles. And therefore you need people who can really grasp that both on both sides of that. Um, I know that volunteers are doing it on a volunteer time basis. So the time and ability to put that in is limited, but they have to have that vision and bring that along to their, when they're sitting around the board table or committee meeting or whatever. Um, on the counter side of that, you need a chief staff executive and other staff members who share that vision, understand that vision, can kind of be empathetic with what they're trying to do for that professional organization and work to administer it. And definitely understanding those two roles is very critical. How about you, Victoria, anything to add? Probably not to add. I, I couldn't agree more with, with Pat's um, response. Uh, the most success I've seen with the organizations that have had the opportunity to work is when there is a shared vision an agreement to, to move that vision forward, an understanding of roles and responsibilities of both the volunteer leadership and the um, uh, staff leadership, and the ability of, of staff to you know, share, share the vision, understand their roles and responsibilities as well um, in moving that forward. Um, and to add to that, you know, the role of the board to be always thinking forward, thinking about the future, planning for the future, and not just about, in this case, sort of advancement of pharmacy practice, but what the future of um, the organization is going to look like. And so with that comes responsibility to be cultivating uh, new leadership to basically replace yourself when, when your term has been completed on the board. And so, you know, a successful association is one that spends the time um, educating, grooming, encouraging uh, future um, professionals within that um, arena to consider leadership in the organization. But yeah, you can't do it if if you've got, you know, some sort of um, either, I don't want to call it disagreement, but sort of um, misalignment of vision, of vision between the staff and the board. And um, it doesn't come without, without some work on the part of both. And it's incumbent um, on the CEO to sort of set the stage and help these volunteers understand what the commitment is, um, what their responsibilities are, the ins and outs, and how they're going to help them succeed as leaders of the association. 
That's true. Yeah. And something you both have evidenced in your careers for decades, but I want to switch gears a little to really hone in on pharmacy practice transformation efforts. This has been something that's been in the works for the past several years at PPA. And I'd love to get both the outgoing and incoming perspectives on this. So how has PPA played a role in making Pennsylvania a nationwide leader in these practice transformations. I'll, I'll let you start, Pat. All right. Um, thank you. So I think that where we there's a couple different avenues we've actually gone on. Um, and I particularly want to call attention to the Pennsylvania Pharmacist Care Network, because that was an initiative that we undertook in cooperation with the University of Pittsburgh, as well as the other six schools of pharmacy in Pennsylvania, as well as our membership. And it was a commitment by the PPA board to see ways that we could really um, put community pharmacists and pharmacies, you know, kind of in the forefront and being directly involved in patient care. Um, and then over the years, that has morphed into and become part of the, the CPESN USA, which is a community pharmacy enhanced services network. So being part of that group has certainly led that effort forward. Um, and it is playing an important role in community pharmacy practice. Outside of that, other practice trans transformation efforts. Obviously, we communicate um, with our national groups, all of them. We also were very closely tied in with the NASPA group, which is the National Alliance of State Pharmacy Associations, where we share what's happening in other states. We learn from successes. We learn from failures. Um, and we try to bring those into pieces that we can do in Pennsylvania. Um, in many cases, that involves uh, legislation we have to enact. Um, but sometimes it's also just follow, finding ways to work around in the meantime and bring ideas to our members to see what we can do to change practice. Thanks, Pat. I'll turn it over to you, Victoria. As you take on this new role, what are your plans for continuing to support pharmacy practice transformation efforts in Pennsylvania? So as I said, I think I'm walking in at sort of an opportune time. The uh, PPCN, um, as Pat uh, described, has been hugely successful and it's actually um, a luminary among other states that are um, also participating in the program. So uh, that, that really helps us sort of set the stage for other uh, independent pharmacies in the state that want to sort of advance their own initiatives and their practices. Outside of that, there's a couple of other programs that the PPA has launched in the last few years. In fact, I sat on a webinar for both of those uh, this morning. Um, and I just, again, I continue to be impressed at the level of involvement and commitment from our, from our volunteers to move these programs forward. Um, something that Pat uh, didn't mention, but I know has um, uh, sort of been, an or been a, a network of pharmacy organizations throughout the Commonwealth on and off um, for as long as I can remember. And it's a group we used to refer to as the uh, pharmacy uh, liaison group. And it's, it's this collaborate, or collaboration, I'll call it, coalition of uh, pharmacy organizations in the state, including um, all the colleges of pharmacy, that agree to meet and discuss particularly uh, legislative and regulatory issues that are pertinent to all practice settings. Um, and I think that that's sort of another important key uh, component of how we continue to keep the conversation going around what's happening uh, in pharmacy throughout the Commonwealth, um, how others are viewing it and looking to impact it, whether that's positively 
or negatively. So that's our friends at the Medical Society, that's our colleagues at the Department of Health, um, and our um, uh, fellow pharmacists on the State Board of Pharmacy. And so the opportunity to talk as a group, um, identify uh, some common ground, prioritize issues that are important to all of us, and then um, work on a plan to uh, advance those initiatives, whether it's through introduction of new legislation, um, uh, proposing to the board um, uh, new regulations or input on regulations they're considering. Um, I have found in the past and have witnessed it uh, recently during my um, orientation, again, here to PPA, how beneficial that particular group is. And um, also appreciating sort of how um, willing the groups that are involved, for example, PPA, PSHP, the um, uh, Pennsylvania Association of Chain, Chain Drugstores and such, are willing to sort of pass the baton, um, if you will, on particular issues and let others in the group take the lead where it's appropriate or where they sort of have the most sort of energy to, to move it along. So I think that that's another important uh, component of how we continue to um, identify priorities for practice in the state. That's great. Yeah, and it's really exciting to hear your plans and how you're looking to continue the legacy that Pat is leaving behind in some of these efforts. Mm -hmm. So this brings me to my last question for you both. What work still needs to be done to advance the profession of pharmacy in Pennsylvania? And how can listeners get involved? I'll start with you, Pat. Yeah, well, actually, there's a lot to still be done. Um, when you look at Pennsylvania, um, because we are a little bit of a, a different state where we are in some ways, I would say, a little bit behind with some of the states, particularly out in the western part of the country, uh, as far as practice. So there's a lot to be done there. Um, there's a lot of opportunity to build continued relationships with, as Vicki said, the Medical Society, the Osteopathic Medical Society, the Academy of Family Physicians, the whole medical community, as well as other prescribers, nurse practitioners, etc. So there's a lot, a lot to go on there. Um, this particular uh, session, uh, we saw two key bills get sent to the governor's desk, but that was not an easy pathway. So people need to really be involved in the association to help us get those bills to that finish line, because there is nothing like contacting your legislator and talking with him or her directly um, and sharing um, what you know, what your experience is, what patients want, how you can provide those services. So that's a key thing. And so I might even just backtrack for a moment and say that what we really need is for pharmacists to join the association, first of all. Um, it's really kind of a little bit disheartening sometimes to see how many pharmacists are willing to say, ah, I'll let somebody else do that. Um, we really need people to step up to the plate be members of the professional organization. And then second of all, uh, build a legislative advocacy role and a connection with their legislator. They only have to know one representative and one senator. And if they keep those lines of communication open so that when we do have key legislation that will help us change practice, we can work on doing it together. Um, and so we're really hopeful that the governor will sign those two bills this session. But as we went down that pathway, those bills had to be um, amended and changed so they weren't everything we possibly wanted them to be. Um, and that is part of the legislative process. Um, but that's where we need people to be involved and help us do it because we'll be back at the table doing some more things next in the, in the future. So there's always work to be done when it comes to that. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Pat. Victoria, any final thoughts on that? So as they say, all politics are local. So as Pat said, I, I've some of the uh, conversations I've had with members, even before um, I was offered the position, I did a lot of homework, talked to members and colleagues um, about sort of the state of pharmacy and um, you know, their views on the association. And some, you know, shared um, uh, uh, ongoing uh, old concerns about reimbursement, uh, independent pharmacists being squeezed out, the competition from the large chains, um, PBMs, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And while frustrating, um, where I see success and where I see pharmacists and pharmacies, and this is just really a, a comment on, on community pharmacy, um, having the most success is those that are champions for their services champions for their patients, champions for what they bring um, to, the, uh, to, to patient care. Um, and it's, it's very, very exciting. They have relationships with key legislators. They're willing to um, open their doors, um, uh, demonstrate uh, what, it, what it means to be a pharmacist, in a, particularly in a rural community, um, and you know, have their patients sort of share their successes and their experiences as well. So um, again, all politics are local and it doesn't take a whole lot of time or effort um, to, to have those conversations, uh, reach out, uh, invite your uh, legislator to spend some time in the pharmacy or just have a chat about you know, what it is that, that you know, makes up your day, what challenges you, uh, what you're bringing to the community, what changes, you, what, what changes you're making there in the community. Um, uh, it's, it's not really hard to do. I agree with Pat. We've got, um, based on the number of registered pharmacists in the state, uh, we have a lot of potential. Um, based on our membership roles, we have a long way to go. Um, that's not to say that the group that we have involved isn't quite enthusiastic. And again, I'm thrilled to be working with them, but there's certainly lots of opportunity. Um, that said, I have um, been very impressed by the efforts of BPA and successes, particularly of Pat, um, to build relationships in some really key places. So for example, if Pat is now sitting, and I will be too, on a weekly call with Dr. Levine and her staff about what's happening with um, now the availability and distribution of vaccines. That's a pretty prominent opportunity for us to have and be sort of the source of information for our pharmacy community. Working really closely with one of our members um, at the, uh, out in Pittsburgh, about dissemination of that information, guides for pharmacists on how to be a provider, obtain vaccine, all the forms you have to fill out, uh, storage, um, you know, promotion of, of the fact that you're a provider in your community, et cetera, et cetera. We're now a resource for our members to do that. And we wouldn't be at that table had it not been for the relationships that were built by Pat and volunteers with some key um, uh, dignitaries, if you will, here in the Commonwealth. And so what an opportunity for us. And, you know, when I was an active uh, volunteer pharmacist uh, back in the day, if you will, um, we weren't, we didn't have those kinds of relationships. They were being built on a more regional level. Um, but this, these opportunities now that we have, we have to really sort of um, cultivate and um, exploit, if you will, to the benefit of the pharmacy community. So I'm excited uh, to, to continue those. And I wanna thank Pat uh, for, for, again, the legacy she's left and the opportunity I now have to try and continue that. 
Thank you both so, so much for your time today. And yes, Pat, congratulations on your retirement and a job well done for all your service to PPA over the years. And, and Brooke, I would just like to really wish uh, Vicki the best of luck. I know she'll she'll bring a wealth of experience to the position. Um, you know, when, when we were started on this process and I turned in my resignation, I actually, this is kind of silly to admit, but I spent some sleepless nights worrying about who our search committee was going to find because I was like, well, if they're a pharmacist, they probably don't know anything about association work. They're not going to understand. And then I was like, well, if they're an association manager, they won't know anything about pharmacy and I know how long it took me. And so this was like the perfect marriage to find someone who, you know, and I knew Vicki from before when she worked with PSHP. So what a relief I felt when I knew that that's who the board had selected. So uh, congratulations to Vicki, congratulations to PPA for finding her um, and good luck to the association and everything she's going to do to lead it even further forward. Thank you, Pat. Yes, Victoria, I'm really looking forward to working with you and, and seeing all you'll bring to the association. So congratulations on your appointment. Thanks, Brooke. I appreciate it. I look forward to it. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to another episode of Beyond the SIG. Keep tuning in to learn more about the impactful stories shaping community pharmacy practice transformation. Thanks for listening to Beyond the SIG, a prescription for transformative pharmacy care. Be sure to check back with the Pharmacy Podcast Network soon for the next episode. To learn more about transforming the role of the pharmacist, visit papharmacists.com forward slash podcast. That's papharmacists.com forward slash podcast. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.